So there's two types of wholesalers um, that I that I discovered. One type is relationship-based. So I'm going to become my client's friend. I'm going to become this independent advisor's friend. He's going to like me. I offer him great service, right? So right. he likes me. And so he will sell my products to his clients. Um, I'm the other type of seller. Okay. I say, Mr. Advisor, I will help you grow your business because I have access to a vast amount of data, industry news, and I I have direct access to our actuaries who can tell you the intricacies of our product. Right. And we have accountants, lawyers to support you when you deal with a big client. So, Mr. Advisor, I'll provide value to you, help you right. sell more overall, right. to help you grow your pie. And the growth of your pie, You think if you can think of Sun Life, please do. So I, I try to exchange value to for their business awesome. and make it okay. less relationship-based. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. So I've got an exciting podcast for you today. We've got Yusidin Ren, um, just a recent graduate from Concordia and the Student Works program, uh, management program. Uh, he is the youngest regional sales director in, at Sun Life Financial. We have a, an amazing conversation actually about the insurance industry and about the success of the insurance industry and what he's learned in his, his very short but really really remarkably successful career so far uh, i know you'll love this podcast thanks so much awesome so we're excited to have you sit and ren on our uh, on our on our podcast this afternoon uh thanks so much for uh, spending the time and you know i know you're in a, a results economy job <laughs> you know uh you know crushing it creating results with your with your clientele and your customers and the people you're working with so so i know uh you know frankly every every hour you sort of spend doing something like this is, is an hour you're not uh you know creating value in your business so thank you <laughs> thank you it's my pleasure to be here chris always Oh, that's awesome. So it'd be great, Yusinin, if, if uh, just again, just a, a quick introduction. Yusinin is the regional sales director at Sun Life Financial. And he's just a few years out of school uh, from Concordia <laughs> and, and our program. So just amazing, amazing progress in his career. So, so if you could tell me what you were like before, before you were in our program. Like as a, as a teenager. Well, that, 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 that is a long time ago, actually. Yes. No, before before I was a program, I was always I was always wanting to start my own business in some way, like to have uh, to have control on like it sounds a bit cliche, but have control on your destiny, have have control on where you want to be. I, my first business was actually when I was sixteen. I was in high school, and right. I mean, a few friends would just gather together. We're like, hey, we can sell hats on eBay. Okay. <laughs> Pretty much it. Um, and we just, at the end, we started to make our production line. We're trying to get the patterns right, learn like the textile industries, just yeah. transform something into hats and just sell them. And honestly, just start from there. It's just your, I'm just your, like your average teenager, just go to school, do your homework, 
Um, and for me, especially from Asian family, it's really got to focus on your homework. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Mom and dad, we're making sure you get your homework done. Yeah, we're making sure for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's nothing much. I just always wanted to do my own thing. Like, yeah, right before student works, have my own business too. Well, that's that's great. So, did you ever have normal jobs, that sort of thing, or 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 were you kind of entrepreneurial on the side all the time? I, I used to work in a day camps, like mm-hmm. like your average teenager. I did. I basically I was your average teenager. I did what your average teenager did. Working okay. at camp in the summer, right? You have to get your own pocket money. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty much it. My mom and dad is like, yeah, we're going to pay for school. We're going to put a roof over your head. But if you want pocket money, you want to buy your own cell phone, go work for it. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Work for my cell phone. (laughs) Good, good parenting. That's what I think. Good parenting, you know, teach you, teach you the value of money and teach you, you know, again, you know, you want more, go get more, right? Yeah. I love it. I love it. So if, if you can remember, what do you think your biggest frustration as a teenager was before you started your business? Man, um, well, the problems back then seemed small, so small today, right? Okay, you bet. No, the most frustrating was uh, you have to, it's homework, but not just homework, like you have to follow a set of rules. That was, that was what's really frustrating when a teenager is there's a set of rules that are by your parents or your school, and you just have to follow them. And that's what's yes. pretty much expected of you. And I found that, yeah, I have to say that that's really, really frustrating. Very restrictive, yes, right? Very exactly. restrictive. And, and I'm sure in your organization, there's now, quote unquote, a bunch of rules, yeah. right? You know, and, and systems and processes, right? And an enormously successful company that you're with. However, there's a lot of flexibility as well in exactly how you achieve results, right? Yes, exactly. So I have a year goal. And my company just says, here's your, your budget, here's your resources, here's your yearly goal go achieve it. And pretty much the rest of the time, they leave me alone. Um, I don't awesome. have a fixed, yeah, it's pretty great. I don't have a fixed schedule. I don't have any, any, so it's, it's more like, that's one of the reasons why I choose to work with a company is because they just provide you with the resources and say, here's your target, go for it. And so right. for you in any, any way they can. Um, so it's not that like compared to teenager, just really free. Right. It is really free. So you said, what do you still rely on from the things you learned in the student works program? A lot, actually. (laughs) (laughs) A lot, because in student works, what I learned is everything, like half your job, at least is sales. Because student work is, we we build value by actually providing a service, right? But that's only half the battle. Mm -hmm. The first half the battle is is really to uh, how to acquire a client, how to convince a client to do business with you, show them what kind of value you can bring. That, and today I'm in a sales role too, so I think that is the foundation of everything I've learned today is how to actually show, communicate your value to the client. That I think is the most important thing I learned in student works. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and so why don't, you, why don't you walk me through sort of your career progress, you know, once you graduated from business at, at Concordia, why don't you walk me through? I have to say, oh, my career to student works, because um, when I was a kid, I grew up, went to university. I always dreamed of being this fund manager, right? That investment banker, you know, that right. whole stuff yeah. you see on TV. And then um, while I was, stu- I was a student work, one of my prospects actually just called me up and he said, hey, I'm this consultant in investors group right. uh, from investors group. You sh- you're an entrepreneur. You want to study finances. 
why not be an entrepreneur and finance become a financial advisor? Right. And I was like, why not? Uh, honestly, that was why, yeah, not. So sure. I that why not. I got that connection by doing my student works marketing, actually. Yes. And then, and then just when I started on that path, I was like, this is, this is an awesome job. So from there, I became a financial planner. I did advising for in the, for like individual companies with like insurance investments. I did that for group companies, for pensions, for their benefits. That lead me to do some marketing job for Sun Life because we realized that marketing is communicating to the client basically. And right. a lot of people in marketing and big financial service firms have no clue what the product is. Doesn't understand right. the product, never talks yes. to the client ever. Um, so there was this need. So I basically they took me and I filled this need. Okay. And um and this is all in Montreal. And out the blue, my regional vice president was like, hey, Yusu, we need this sales director in Toronto. Um, this is a great opportunity for you. Do you want to take it? And I had like three days to decide. And wow. I was like, yes, 100%. So that's pretty much <laughs> where I am today. Wow. So you, so you jumped from Montreal to Toronto. And uh, so let's go back backwards. So investors group, pros, because one of the things as well is we've got a lot of young leaders and they're looking to make choices about their careers in the future. So it's, so I, I love as well for people to sort of share, hey, here, 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 here was what was great about this organization. Here's what I learned. Here were maybe some, some opportunities or whatever, just to speak, you know, again, candidly, of course, positively about, about what did you experience at investors group? So an investors group, when you become an advisor outside the banking system and, and like the individual system, you, you, are, you don't have a salary. You're, pure, you're living off of commission. Right. Um, so that was the tough part. However, an, an investors group, they had the reason why they attracted me so much is they had this amazing training program. Okay. Kind of like the same way student works. Like I, I, I think, okay, I'm, I'm not getting a salary, so I need enough resources to help me build my business. Okay. So that's why I value how they train you. Do they teach you stuff? Do they teach you financial planning concepts and how to actually do proper tax planning for clients? So you don't start with a client. You don't start with anything. You start with basically a knowledge book that they give you. But they guide you through it. They give you resources. They have specialists, investment specialists, tax specialists that will help you. And this is also like provided to you. So okay. I feel well surrounded to be able to just build my business. Well, that's no, that that's great feedback. Um, one of the things I believe is one of the most important things is is early on is like you said, training and knowledge. And then the other piece is mentorship. I know, I know, in, you know, you had an amazing district manager back in the day, and, and we have really great mentors in our business. Yes. But what what about at investors group? Did you find someone who who was a, a good support for you? Yes. Um, well, invest. That's one thing I liked about a company because you join a team. Once you're in the company, you join a team with a more senior advisor. Okay. Um, he's the one who's gonna for your first ten to fifteen client meeting. He's gonna be there with you. Okay. Okay. And he's not taking a cut of your commission or anything. No, he's just there purely to like help you out. And that's how the company's structured, actually. Right. Um, so yeah, there you had your default mentor. Right. Um, what you what I realized is. That's not your only mentor. You, like, that's a concept, right? When I find mentor concept, you have one mentor that will help you out. But what I've discovered is no, anyone who had more experience than me was my mentor. So yeah. I kind of wanted to stay 
at the office after four o'clock, everyone's gone, but those who stayed there, they just want to have a great conversation. Yeah. They all have more experience than me. So I was like, okay, I just, by talking to these people, I just learned a lot. I just sure. learned so much. So yeah, that's, that's the environment that it, it was. And I kind of like that. Yeah. Well, no, that's great. And again, it doesn't surprise me about you. You were proactive, right? So you're, you're sort of sitting there. And I know for me early on in my career, I was always talking to other operators, other district managers. Why do you do that? And what do you do? And when the customer <laughs> yes. says this, how do you say that? You exactly. say it that way. <laughs> it really, the devil's in the details. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and it makes all the difference whether we say it this way or the small change to that way. And, and like you said, the, all those all those conversations make all the difference, right? Yeah. And, and, and a lot of times people get confused. It's, oh, I'm staying late just to stay late. No, that doesn't do anything for you. It's, I'm staying late to accomplish something. And yeah. for you, it wasn't maybe just sales, but it was literally just to learn and grow. Yeah, pretty much it. Just to get more information. Yeah. Awesome, and, awesome. Yeah, even today, I still, my district manager was Zach. Zach LeFay. I still talk to him. Yeah. He's an amazing guy. Yeah. So, <laughs> definitely he is an amazing guy. Yeah. No, he's, I know he's got an electric uh, company startup Yes, that, that's doing amazingly well. So, you know, Sun Life, you know, what, what have you, what have you learned at Sun Life? What is, what does Sun Life have, have going for it? It's, well, it's weird because, so when I, when I, before I, I came to Toronto, I had this choice to like your typical millennial, you don't stay in a company for more than like two years, right? right. I'm stereotyping, but that's, that, that, that's a story <laughs> normal. Now. Yes. And this is a company, it's my fourth year with the company now. Right. And I really did not want to leave the company because um, mm. in my four years, I had three different jobs in the company. Okay. It's a company that allows you to go from department to do department and it's three totally different jobs. And it just, it's a great learning ground. It's mm. just, and a lot of my clients, my clients, they ask me, hey, Yusuf, why aren't you back as an independent financial advisor and running your own business? And my answer to that is because with Sun Life, what will take me 10 years to learn as an advisor, I can, it, I can learn in three years. Right. Um, there's so much information. And again, back to the learning, it's just, it provides you with so much education. A company supports that. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I stayed so long. It's, um, I, the company really supports you. Well, that's great. And so your role now is a regional sales director. What does that mean? What are you doing day to day? How, how are you getting judged, et cetera? It's, it's a bit of weird to think this. So I'm in the insurance side of the business. Right. And, and you have to think of it as like a factory making bread. So okay. basically, we're Sun Life. We manufacture, we create an insurance product. Right. And we're going to sell, and this is our bread, and we're going to sell this bread to like Loblaws. And Loblaws okay. then sell it to the consumer. Uh, so I'm in the wholesale side of insurance. So my job is to take insurance, go to an independent financial advisor and tell them. And basically, my job is to convince them to sell to their clients Sun Life Insurance rather than Manulife, than Great West right. or Canada Life, than a competitor. So that's my job. I'm a wholesaler. So just okay. like Loblaws where there's like five different types of brand of bread. Right. My job is to make sure my, our brand is on the top shelf. Okay. Okay. So as a regional sales director, then you're, it's not like you have a bunch of sales reps working for you. You're actually going to, to independent advisors and looking to have them sell your product. Is yeah, that right? Exactly. We, we, we have a support team. We have 
I, I'm a, I'm outside to host. We call ourselves outside external wholesalers. Right. Inside wholesalers, there are right. there are support team. Our sales associate, they will take care of a lot of the issues day to day. Run the business. Uh, my job is to be in field and to just expand the market. And we okay. have yeah, so we have a whole entire support team that help us maintain and service. But my right. job is really to, to be out there to expand it. So you're hunting. That you've got the gatherers. You've got the gatherers. So hunting. Yeah. Find the next Loblaws. Like if our bread is only in Loblaws and not in like Shoppers Drug Mart, right? Why yeah. not? So my job is to go to Shoppers Drug Mart and say, hey, do you want to sell our bread on your shelf? Okay. And so so obviously the, the whole insurance market is, is uh, an established market. How do you convince somebody that they should come go to Sun Life because more than likely they're selling somebody else's insurance? Yes, exactly. And it's not just established. Another problem is to, and the product is homogenous. So yes. between companies, the difference is really small. Basically, mm -hmm. no difference. So in well, it's good in Canada because a consumer can buy any insurance and it's a product. And the difference right. is very small. Right. So, so there's two types of wholesalers um, that I that I discovered. One type is relationship-based. So I'm going to become my client's friend. I'm going to become this independent advisor's friend. He's going to like me. I offer him great service, right? So right. he likes me. And so he will sell my products to his clients. Um, I'm the other type of okay. seller. I say, Mr. Advisor, I will help you grow your business because I have access to a vast amount of data, industry news, and I I have direct access to our actuaries who can tell you the intricacies of our product. Right. And we have accountants, lawyers to support you when you deal with a big client. So, Mr. Advisor, I'll provide value to you, help right. you sell more overall, right. to help you grow your pie. And the growth of your pie, you think, if you can think of Sun Life, please do. So, right. I, I okay. try to exchange value to for their business awesome. and make it. Okay less relationship based. So I don't know if it's working or not, but we'll see at the end of the year. Okay. Okay. But, but well, you've been doing this now for four years, but you've jumped into different roles is now, is this a new role that you're jumping into now? This is, yeah, it's been a role for six months now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And you wait a new role. Exactly. Before I was in marketing and so I'm doing like branding, advertising, a bit of research. Um, okay. Before that, as an advisor, so it's yeah, totally different roles from one. Right, but I, but again, as well as a as a regional sales director, you'd know a lot more than some other regional sales director because you have knowledge of other parts of the business to be able to to provide value. Yes, yeah, so it's it's kind of like a racing game of who can provide the most values between the. Yes. Companies. To be honest with you, that's it. Mm -hmm. If I learn information before my competitor does. I have an advantage. If I learn it after they do, I'm in a disadvantage. It's really a race. Really, really how it works. Okay, no, that's that's great. And so, you know, if you're thinking long term, like what are you thinking in terms of your your career? Obviously, the, the insurance business, it's it's really quite interesting. My my thought is is it insurance is really a under-recognized target for young young leaders to look at. You know, mm -hmm. just just it's a massive market, you know, and a lot of times people really don't think about insurance when they're graduating from school. No, you're absolutely right. Because insurance, look, you think of a dinosaur, right? If I think of sunlight before I joined the company, it is a dinosaur. It's an old market. It's not exciting like tech and yes. a new market. Like you're sharing now sharing economy. That's a new trend, right? Yes. 
my answer, a lot of people ask me that too. A lot of my friends like, Yusuf, insurance really that's boring. Look at me, I'm an engineer. I work for Google, Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my answer to that, I'm like, wait, we're the OG shared economy. Insurance right. is the original shared economy where people put their money together and then give it to the person who needs it the most. Mm-hmm. It is the original shared economy before car sharing, bike sharing, right? We're the right. original shared economy. And it's changing towards a way that now insurance companies are tech companies. Right. Okay. So it's everything is AI analyzing a client and determining how much we can charge them. It's all big data. It's all like we price a client depending on his health situations. Mm-hmm. All data, we can predict um, what percent, what's your pers- very precisely how likely you are to get cancer and even yes. what type of cancer. Yeah, And behind all this is data, it's tech, it's software engineering. Um, so it, that, the industry has changed. It's getting exciting. It is exciting. Are you enjoying the episode so far? I'm sure you've heard the saying, it's not what you know, it's who you know. I've always thought that saying was inaccurate. I believe more accurately, it's who you know who think highly of you and would be willing to refer you. I wanted to let you know, I put together an amazing package for you. The four referability habits advantage. These habits are so powerful that when followed, they completely change the game for people and allow them to operate on a whole other level. If you're interested in getting your hands on the four referability habits advantage, just jump over to www.leaderspodcast.ca slash habits and download it for free. These habits will help you gain the respect of everyone you deal with so that you can land those important referrals in your life and business. Once again, just go to www.leaderspodcast.ca and download the Four Referability Habits Advantage. Now, back to our Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. And, and well, the other thing as well is insurance isn't going anywhere. This isn't, a, this isn't a part of the economy that's going to get taken out, right? Like insurance is something we all need. Well, sorry, we all need it. If you have a car, you need it. You know, you know if, you have, if you have any assets, you need it. As a, you know, yeah. we have liability insurance. We have, a, you know, I have, I have life insurance. You know, it's actually interesting as well, just in, in terms of that data. I know I had life insurance and mm-hmm. um, I, I, they did a whole battery of tests. Yeah. And, um, and they came back and... I, I can't remember, by the way, I can't remember my friend, which insurance company he works with. So uh, but anyhow, he, he basically came back and, he, and they said that they made me a five star uh, person or a one star or whatever mm-hmm. it rates so that they gave me like a 30 percent reduction in fees because they think I'm going to live a long time. And they're yeah. right, by the way, I am going to live. a long time. <laughs> my plan is to live definitely past 100. So so it which seems so irrational too to me, it's like. I was I was buying insurance and they went and said, "Oh, here based on your health, we're going to give you a better rate." I was I was really quite surprised. Yeah, it, it is very interesting and it's funny because when you arrive in the insurance industry in the manufacturing side, everything you talk about is blood urine. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. all bad. Did they poke holes in you? And we're just like, this is so old. Let's replace this with AI. Let's not mm-hmm. poke a needle in our clients arm to take his blood let's, right. let's try to predict this in another way you're absolutely right and it's counterintuitive because it's depending on health and all that 
it, it is counterintuitive that your insurance will cost it, it's it cost depending on who you are, what you do, and right what else you are. But that's the you have to be fair. That's to be honest. That's that's why we charge less for healthy people. We charge more for unhealthy people because you have it's more likely for you, Chris. You're healthy. You're, yep. We might never pay you the life insurance because you're gonna live forever, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> that's the plan. <laughs> so that's what we have to charge you less. Is to be fair. It's a insurance yeah. is zero sum game. Right. It's a zero sum game. Uh, if you look at the statistic uh, in Canada, I think like I'm not 100 sure. I had to check last year. I think the insurance industry paid out 93 billion dollars in claims, something like that and only took in $96 billion of premium. And a difference is always costs and operating and differences, but it's basically a zero sum game. No one wins, no one loses. It's really to have money ready for people in need. That, that's really? pretty good. So then, so where does the profit come? Is the profit come because they're sitting on a boatload of money and they're able to make money on that? Or where's the, where's the profit engine? A lot of profit engine is that. So it's, so basically when you pay your car insurance, you pay them a monthly fee. If your car gets like crashed into, they pay you out, right? Right. Before your car get crashed, this money is sitting at the insurance company's hands, right? So the insurance company will invest this money and make money off of that. Right. Okay. There's even some product that's designed that the investment part can be given back to the client. So right. the client yes. can also benefit from the insurance company's product and profit and investment. And that's where the money is. So in terms of money in, money out is pretty much equal as a zero sum game. Yeah. No, I know there's some really high end uh, life insurance plans for really, really high net worth it, it people mm-hmm. who, who spend, you know, you know, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars, place it in insurance policy and, and again, make money. Um, I'm not sure how the math works, but there's, you know, in the whole life part of it. So, so there's all sorts of really unique ways, young leaders, you know, when you, you know, make your money uh, and create a lot of value, there's, you know, the insurance, the insurance can, can be all sorts of unique ways to, again, uh, create a legacy, create a financial legacy, uh, support, support, um, you know, future generations, et cetera. So it's, it really is a fascinating uh, business model. And some of it is, is because there's so many tax advantages to insurance as well. Also, yes. So when we, when we analyze a client, just the value, that's, that's why my sales are based on value is when an advisor says, Hey, you, so I need help with this client. I'm like, okay, first of all, let's, Let's see his assets. Let's see his liabilities. Let's do his estate planning, death benefit calculation, how much cash flow they have. Let's do cash tax planning. Let's do right. investment planning. It's all this aspect. We have to surround the client and to provide value. If not, why should a client buy Sun Life, right? Why should a client can buy Manulife? Or even right. worse, why should a client buy this insurance from you, Mr. Advisor? I can go to another financial advisor and have access to the exact same product that you offer. Right. So it's all purely based on value. Awesome. Awesome. So how did you know running a business was the right thing for you, Yusuf? Um, that's one thing I discovered before. So I, when I used to get, have a little, my selling hats on eBay stuff, um, it felt, it felt fun. Like you made like $10 on a hat. You're like, Oh my God. Awesome. Yeah. And when I get into student works is the money gets a bit bigger. It's more serious. And if you do a bad job, it's, 
basically we're painting the client's house, right? You do a bad job. They're, they're emotionally hurt too. So it's more pressure, but this more pressure gives me a sense of fulfillment. Right. It's not temporary. It's like, oh, I'm happy I made money. That's temporary. That's happiness. Right. That's no, not happiness. That's joy. That's temporary. Right. It's more you feel that you affected someone's life. I know it sounds cliche. A lot of people say this, but it's true. It's not cliche. It's true. It's yeah. true. You affected it. When you do a good job, the client's like, thank you so much. My room looks so much better. I can, you know, I enjoy the view so much like of my yeah. room now. And it's that fulfillment. Um, it, it's fulfilling basically. And that's why I'm, I'm like, okay, I need to run my own business because that gives me the highest level of fulfillment. Awesome. Awesome. So what have you been your biggest failures or mistakes? A lot. <laughs> Which one should I start with? <laughs> but that, to be honest with you, Chris, that's a hard truth is I think I, I, I know that I'm the youngest sales director in Sun Life. I think I'm the, I think I'm the youngest director in Sun Life, period. Right. But the reason I did that and the reason I was profitable with student works is because I made so many mistakes. Um, <laughs> I think you don't measure someone with, uh, in terms of length of experience, I have 10 years experience, 20 years experience. No. How many mistakes did you make within those 10 years? I think that's what's key. And yeah. student works. Um, yeah, I made so many mistakes, like under over my first mistake. Yeah. Over promising, under delivering, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, Mr. Klein, I remember this so clearly. Um, the client, I'm like, okay, we can finish this painting job in three days. And it took us five. Yes. And the client's yeah. like, it's frustrating because they have to move their furniture around. They cannot yes. destroy their living room, right? We're painting yeah. their living room. So I can't even watch TV because you guys are delaying it, right? Yeah. And it's just, that's, that has to be like my first big shock. Um, as a business owner or someone running or being in sales, basically, it's like over-promising, under-delivering. That has to be the biggest mistake ever. Absolutely. I, I'm so grateful I learned that there and not like making a mistake now today or else I'm done. Yeah. Um, and then and then you develop the habit of really being aware of that, right? And, and really, again, to be able to consistently deliver. Because again, you, you know, who wants that experience? That is the opposite of fulfillment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. And that's just painful too. Not just for for you too, as the person promising that you can oh my God. Yeah. Biggest Absolutely. Mistake. Absolutely. So um you know, as you went from a you know university student to to you know creating in the full-time world, what did you change about yourself? Um you you so here's the thing in university, I went to business school. So is mm -hmm. a biz disconnect because in university the way they train you and you're taught is here's a multi-billion dollar company. You as a CEO, how would you navigate this? How would you strategize this company? Right. And you hit the real world. You're like, no, you're on the bottom of the food chain. Yes. Right. You don't get to make these decisions. You're way far from it. Right. Yes. You just have to listen basically in the beginning. And that is the, that I think is the biggest change, the biggest shock when you go when you go out of university, you have this high expectation and you hit the real world, real world. And it's really like, oh, you have to, you have to show yourself. So that's the biggest thing I think in university, a lot of things is theory. So I can write a great paper and get a high grade, even get 
use this paper, publish it, and really like get a bursary out of it too. Right. Uh, real life is you have to the way you have to affect you have to have concrete results and affect and show your prove yourself. I right. think that is the biggest adaptation I have to make is it's not theory anymore. You have to get concrete results. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, results are really what matters. Right. Yeah. You know, that, that's, you know, certainly, certainly uh, one of the values at, at Student Works is the results economy, yeah. you know, and really getting people connected to, you know, how can I, how can I be more successful, simple, deliver more value, deliver yeah. more value. And, and I know for you, you know, as one of the youngest, you know, directors at Sun Life, you must be delivering a lot of value or you wouldn't be there. It's just as simple as that. Like, I, you know, I have uh, to prove myself. Yeah. Every step of the way. Yeah, you know, and 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 uh, and but prove yourself is nothing. It's not like caught in the clouds stuff. It's just simply okay. What were the results? What are the results? What are the results? You know, and, and of course, there's also hey, how did people get along? And how did you know customer service? And but they're 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 clear metrics. They're clear ways that that we can we can deliver value. So um, so if you think about. Um, you know, just key habits. What key habits would a, a leader want to grab from you, Yusudin, to, to, to get the success that you've had so so soon in your career? In Sun Life, I had two promotions. Um, and the company really is a super generous company. They gave me two promotions in four years. It's really fast for a yes. industry like this. Um, so, I and the two promotions I got is, I think I delivered some sort of value to my leaders. and But they're totally different. So I'll explain myself. So the first promotion I got and the first time a leader thinks that I'm ready for the next step is I achieved sales targets by 350% and above. So I was wow. doing the job of three and a half people. Right. Um, so that is really, that's one thing. So that is concrete result. The second time I've got a promotion is I was creative. So basically when I was working marketing is we do problem solving. Why? Like, why do you, marketing is some company treated as a cost. It should be an investment, but it's a cost. So why do you deserve, why does your project deserve to have this money? I right. need to think what problem I'm, you're trying to communicate to the leaders, what problem you're trying to solve, and then how your project will be structured in a way to solve that problem and to be creative and to be able to challenge the status quo. So... Um, and insurance is really just, oh, life is brighter under the sun. There's the ad with the sun, right? It's so cliche. Yeah. I'm like, no, let's let's get an actuary out in the field and tell people how pricing works behind an insurance product. I know how bread price works, right? Factory costs, your, your factory mill, right? And you have to pay your employees. But insurance is a bit different. There's an investment side. Let's make stuff more transparent instead of doing like an ad with a happy family. So it's more being creative, and that's what made me um, shine in my company. It's it's so it's different. One is purely result basis to hard is hard work. The, my first promotion, like three hundred fifty percent target. There's no secret to his hard work. Right. Um, you just have to work your ass off. To be honest. Right. Yeah. And the second time is to be creative in your work. Right. You, anything you do should be solving a problem. If you're not yes. solving a problem. You're not doing something productive, right? Did they change the the plan? Have they have they shifted their marketing focus as a result of that? Uh, in the portion that I was controlling, yes. <laughs> we went full transparent and full like yeah, as transparent as we can get. 
Isn't that awesome? Oh, that's great. And and again, I think it's 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 really it's really great again when you can really share with your customer. Here's what we're doing, and this is you know this is how we make money. Like you said, it's and again, the reality is is people know you need to make money because if you don't make money, you're not in business. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like literally, you know. So people need to get paid. You know, the lights need to turn on. All yeah. those sorts of things. So why hide that, right? Just tell it to people, and mm-hmm. I think people just trust you more and buy more of your product when you do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, there really is something to authenticity and transparency, right? And there's no question that, you know, over the last number of decades, that's just grown and grown and grown in our community. And and again, obviously, the internet, you know, just, you know Google, uh, <laughs> why does this work this way, right? You yeah. know, and, and Wikipedia tells you or this tells you. So, yeah, it's really fascinating. So, um. Uh, wh- where do you think the insurance industry is going? Any 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 idea? What do you what do you think of the insurance industry moving forward? Man, the insurance industry is gonna be it's gonna be big data. That's that's the word of the insurance industry is big data. Is to use because it's so it's so weird when you think about it. When you take a pause for a minute and you think about it, we know whenever a cl- when a client makes an address change, we know that he moved. We know that there's right. an event. When a client makes a claim. Right, we paid out over nine billion dollars of health claim last year. When a client makes a claim, they have to prove their claim. Right, a doctor writes a note, they have a receipt. We know exactly what's happening in their life. Mm-hmm. So it's so all this data has never been used other than to price your product, right? To determine how much your product will cost. But you can do so much more with this data. You can actually, you know, if a client has an illness. Don't just pay the claim. Recommend them, hey, in your area, these are the best doctors with a success rate of the, your operation and all. We have that data too. We know doctors and success wow. because we do claims all the time. So why not tell the client, hey, you should look at this doctor. He has an 80% success rate on this type of surgery. Or look at all our medications. These are the most effective medications for your illness. Is to yep. use all this data. It's big data. That's where the insurance it's heading is to use this is to transform we're not just insurances to transform like help the client live a healthier life and that's where the industry is heading well that's really great um because i know one hidden thing that i learned um from smart friends i learned most of the things that i know from smart friends by asking lots of questions like mm-hmm. on, on my podcast <laughs> but one of the things I, I learned was there is an enormous difference between surgeons so yeah. if you have a loved one who's having a, a major surgery, then figure out who's the best to, you know, go find out, you know, cause the data is there and, yeah. and, you know, then do your best to get with that best doctor just cause it can make all the difference in the world. Yeah. Uh, the percentages and the odds are way more in your loved one or yourself's favor. Yeah. I, I never thought about that, but the insurance company knows this as well. And again, can speak to again, drugs or surgeons, you know, so that's, that's a huge opportunity for us. So yeah, no, that's, that's fascinating. So, so final questions, Yusu. Um, when you think of a leader of tomorrow, what comes to mind? Wow, that's a tough question. <laughs> <laughs> it's, how can I say it? Because now all the focus, including in my industry, and I know a lot of, I mean, talk to my friends my age, is a lot of focus on tech, it's on information, it's on, it's basically training people to be smarter and be more like logical using data, being a computer. But for me, like, Leadership is someone that I would do like for me when I when I respect a leader when I love a leader is someone that will take a bullet for it. It's really that emotion, yeah. yeah. Um, 
And to be that is to put, how can I say this? To be, in, I think, a leader of tomorrow, one is you have to be data-oriented. That's for sure. That's hard skills. You need that. Yes. That's where the world is heading. But the second part and what distinguishes a leader from a very good manager or leader from an expert, you can be data smart and be an expert, of course. But what distinguishes a leader is you, you need that people side. And not just being a people person is to be able to put your people first before you. Yeah. So it's, it's really that. So leader that I respect that I try to become that I'm not there yet. I'm far from there, but I'm trying to become is to have that little selflessness to put your employees before you, like you would go against your boss to protect your employees, something like that. Right. Yeah. It's that people side is people first. Yes. And I think that with people first and data mindset, I think that is really the leaders of tomorrow. That's awesome. I love that. I love that. And I'm really enjoying asking that question. I think I, and, and, uh, and I think as well, the whole people first, it's, it's one thing and it's hard to get, it really is hard to get is, is something good happens and you just, that's everybody else's and look at the team and look what they've done. And I'm so blessed to have the, these amazing people on my team so that this happened. And by the way, totally believe it. Totally that that's true. Totally that that's authentic. And then people go, wow, hey, I, I love that. And, 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 and just be totally selfless around the things that are good. And then around the things that are bad, that was my fault. I'm responsible. I'm accountable, you know, as, as that leader, you know, and, and protect your team you know, protect the, the, the people beneath you that, no, it's mine, you know, and, and it doesn't matter. It's mine, you know, so, so take your, take, you know, and shoot me, <laughs> shoot, shoot me. Yes. 100%. Yeah. And people first really encompasses all that. Mm. And it's so hard to be. Um, it is. It is. Well, and, but part of it is, is, is why it's hard to be is, is because we so easily get stuck in the world of right or wrong so easily get stuck in the world of, well, I really want to be perfect. And I, you know, and instead of, well, really what works best is for me just to be hundred percent accountable. And, and there's, there's no other space to really add value in the world unless I am hundred percent accountable because <laughs> any other sort of, Oh, it's their fault. It's their fault. It's their fault. You know, that doesn't work. You know, it's like, Hey, it's, it's, you know, take full responsibility and faults a bad word too, by the way, just, just, you know, just responsibility. I'm responsible. I'm hundred percent responsible, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and it's, it's, it's funny when you dig in there, then there's the lessons, right? Yeah. And you learn the lessons. And as we talked about earlier is look at all the things you've learned, right? Yeah. Those because all the mistakes I did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like, and, 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 and again, I think so often people don't see those uh, that really, again, being success, consistent lessons, consistent lessons, consistent, you know, you know, failures, setbacks, whatever it's don't, you know, you don't take it so seriously, meaning um, that it's bad. It's just normal. Like that's what, that's what leaders do. So, well, well, Houston, I really appreciate your time on the phone today, you know, or, sorry, on, on our podcast. Um, and you've done just a, a, a great job. And, and I know our, our young leaders have learned a whole bunch uh, from you. So, uh, so continued success. I know we'll be in touch soon. And, uh, and keep, keep rocking it. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I'm so glad you're still doing student work, to be honest. Like, that's really the, it's a, it's a tough program. I'm not kidding. It's so tough. But a lot of everything 
all the it allowed me to make all the mis basic mistakes I needed to make before I'm here today. So yes, <laughs> it's a great program. It's tough, but it's really great. Thank you. For awesome. That. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. You have an awesome weekend. You Thanks too. so much, Houston. Okay, cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, leaders. We've got a ton more interviews like this one coming up in the next few weeks. So if you're listening and you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe to Leaders of Tomorrow. If you enjoy our content, please give us a share on your Facebook feed or better yet, tell your three most driven and entrepreneurial friends about this podcast so they can join us in discovering what set these powerful business leaders apart from the crowd at such a young age. <laughs>